And a very good evening to you all. We, we are in the process of discussing the halachas of Bain Hamtsorim, the time between Shiva Thomas and Tishabav. We've discussed the halachas of the three weeks. We've discussed the halachas of the nine days. And what's left for us is to discuss the halachas of Tishabav and Bezus Hashem. If we discuss the halachas of Tishabav, then we will be zeicha not to have to keep these halachas because Tishabav will turn into a true yomtuf. It is a moyad anyway, but it will turn into a moyad that we can appreciate and we can rejoice in rather than a moyad that we have to mourn. So let's run through some of those halachas. We'll just start off with the air of Tishabav, which is next week, Wednesday. Rosh is on tomorrow night, so the nine days start tomorrow night at Shkia. Next week, Wednesday, is Erev Tishabov, and Erev Tishabov is when the halachas of the Avetlus of Tishabov begins to set in and kick in. Already in the Shulchan Aruch tells us, the Ramah tells us, on Erev Tishabov, layatayel Erev Tishabov, a person shouldn't go for pleasure walks on Erev Tishabov, for sure, exercise, somebody needs to exercise for health, for physical health, for emotional health, may go for a walk on Erev Tishabov. A power walk may be done if it's necessary, but if it's for pleasure, then walks should be avoided. It's unclear in, in the remark if he his intention is that the whole of Erev Tishabov from the morning, the halacha of lo of not having a pleasure walk is relevant, or do we say only from chatzos? And that's a machlekes in the paskim. Prima Godim seems to say that it starts off in the morning, already next week, Wednesday, from the morning one shouldn't go for pleasure walks, and others say only from Chatzos. But the concept is that one shouldn't be indulging in pleasurable activity already Erev Tishabov because the Chorban and the Avelus and the morning for the Chorban begins pre-Tishabov already in the day before. There's another loch which Ramah tells us is relevant to Erev Tishabov, and that's the halacha of not learning. The Yermot tells us a very fascinating halacha that even though there's a mitzvah, a person is obligated to learn Torah 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever he has a spare moment. Of course, if he's Isaac by mitzvah, if he's busy with a mitzvah, tefillah, chesed, earning panosah for his family, whatever it may be, that pushes away the obligation to learn Torah. But one normally has a mitzvah to learn Torah 24-7. And there's no restrictions on which element, which area of Torah a person can delve into and and work on. But when it comes to Erev Tishabov, the Ramah tells us this, Asalun my Torah, was not allowed to learn Torah on Erev Tishabov from Chatzos onwards, except for the areas of Torah that one may learn on Tishabov itself. And the Ramah says the reason is because learning Torah creates simcha. Kudei Hashem Yesharim Samchei Leiv. The commands or the commandments of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Torah, which is the Pikud Hashem, are Yesharim. They are straight and they masamche lev. They create and enable the heart of a person to be rejoice. There's no nothing greater. There's no greater joy than learning a Gemara Rashi Tosfos and understanding it. It's such an unbelievable, tremendous simcha. And therefore, says Ramah, era of Tishbab, when we're supposed to begin the process of mourning. We can't do even a mitzvah of limitayer, which may create and enable us to be besimcha, mustn't be done on Erev Tishabov. Chasm Sefer gives a different reason to why a, why we may not learn on Erev Tishabov. And itself is again a, an insight into 
the learning Torah and what learning Torah meant in the time of the Hassan Shafer. And he says that there's no halachas of Avelis and Erev Tishabov. And even learning Torah is permitted technically on Erev Tishabov. There's no Dini Avelis, not like the Ramah. But he says there's a different reason why we may not learn in Erev Tishabov. Because a person who's learning Torah, his, that Torah will remain in his mind for many hours. And if he learns in the afternoon on Erev Tishabov, he will not be able to remove that Torah from his mind on the night of Tishabov. And on the night of Tishabov, he's not allowed to learn. Because the night of Tishabov is when one needs to be in a, in a state of Avelis. And therefore on Tishabov, there's clear halachas of not learning Torah other than the areas that one may, may learn on Tishabov, relevant to halachas of Tishabov, all the Gemaras that discuss the Chubun Habayis, other Torah may not be learned because one's in the morning state. Like Chasm Shalom Loyalein, if a person sitting Shiva, he may not learn Torah. When one is in a state of mourning, one may not learn Torah. Erev Tishbov is different. It's not because Avelis starts in Erev Tishbov, as the Ramah says, but because we're worried that that learning that a person will undertake on Erev Tishbov will remain in his mind. And that's why how a person learns. He learns and then he, he percolates it in his mind to try and understand it better and better throughout the day and throughout the evening. And then when Tishbov does begin in that, later that evening, later that day, the Torah will still be going through his mind. And then he'll, he'll, he'll be learning and be besimcha when he should be by on the day of Tishbab itself. And therefore, Chazal, or the Minag, was accepted not to learn Torah that's not relevant to Tishbab from Chatzai's onwards, so that when Tishbab comes in, we can really be Vavelis. We, we will be in, in the true state of Vavelis. So that's a discussion between the Ramah and the Chasm Sefer, whether Vavelis actually starts Erev Tishbab or it doesn't start Erev Tishbab. But irrelevant, La Halacha, we do, do not go for pleasure walks and we do not learn Torah after Chatzais. The Taz doesn't like this Allah of not learning Torah after Chatzais, and therefore somebody who's able to learn the areas of Torah that are relevant to Tishabov, he should do, he should do so after Chatzais. If somebody finds it very difficult, and his choice is either not to learn, or to learn something which is not relevant to Tishabov, then for sure he should learn something which is not relevant to Tishabov, rather than wasting his time and being vattled in the mitzvah of Lima Torah. Mincha on Erev Tishabov, we do not say Tachnon. And the reason why we do not say Tachnon or Minchan Erev Tishavav is because Tishav is called a Moyed. Koralai Moyed. It's called a Moyed. And like the Mincha before any day, almost, except for once, one, one occasion, but a Mincha before every day that Tachnon is not said, Mincha does not have Tachnon said then either. So Minchan Erev any Yomtev, Minchan Erev Shabbos, Mincha Erev Yomtev, Minchan any preceding any day that Tachnon is not said. We do not say Tachnon on that Mincha, and then so too on Tishabov, which is a Moyed. Tachnon is omitted on the Mincha before Tishabov. One needs to eat on Erev Tishabov, a meal that will enable a person to have the strength to fast throughout Tishabov. Tishabov is an important fast. It's the, the fast which represents our Choban. It's a fast which has not just the context of fasting, but the context of Avelus in it as well. And therefore, it's one of the most serious Tanesim. And therefore, one needs to partake of a meal, Erev Tishbov, so that one has the strength to fast through the 24 hours, 25 hours of the Tishbov fast. But that's what one eats before Mincha. Post-Mincha, the final Suda on Erev Tishbov is called the Suda Hamafsekas. Suda Hamafsekas is an obligation on every member of Talisrol whether he's fasting or if he's not fasting, if he's well enough to fast or if he's unwell, that he's not able to fast, he must 
he or she must partake of the Sudam of Sekis. Sudam of Sekis is known as by many as, as the Sudas Tishabov. It's called the Suda of Tishabov. In fact, some people have the custom to turn around when they're eating the Sudam of Sekis to say, we are now eating, this is Zehu Sudas Tishabov. This is the Suda of Tishabov. The Sudam of Sekis has very clear parameters to it. Hazal told us that Sudam of Sekis has to be eaten with two dishes, a piece of bread. Some have the meaning to use round bread, pita breads. In many, many uh, areas of Kalisrol, they, they will be careful only to use round breads, pita breads. Some of us in Ashkenaz are not so worried about that. You don't have to go out and buy yourself pita breads if that's not your meaning. But the context of round is because round is a sign of Avelis. And one dish. And because we're only allowed one dish, and we want that dish to represent Avelis, we use a dish that has a round context to it. It's either an egg or lentils, etc. But the Sudam of Sekas is partaken of one piece of bread, or no, bread, not one piece, one one type of bread, and a one dish, a dish of an egg or a lentil, etc. One's not allowed to eat more than one dish. If it's an egg, it's an egg. If it's a lentil, it's a lentil. You don't join in any other dishes. One dish is what one's allowed. Mechaber says that one shouldn't be eating fish in Sudam of Sekis. Fish is not allowed at Sudam of Sekis. Others disagree. Any other dish, irrelevant of whether it's baked or cooked, should not be eaten at the Sudam of Sekis. Only a, a bread and a single dish, usually an egg or a lentil or, or, or some sort of lentils. I'm not sure how one makes lentils nowadays. I know most people will be having an egg for Sudam of Sekis. Drinking, again, is permitted, even hot drink. But Mr. Brewer says you shouldn't drink sweet drinks. So like soda water, which was in those days was a, a luxury, shouldn't be drunk in the Sudam of Sekis. You should only drink plain water or something warm, something warm, but not something pleasurable. The way we eat the Sudam of Sekis is by sitting on the floor. Since it's a Suda, since it's a Suda of Avelus, so we sit on the floor. Sitting on the floor doesn't have to be literally on the floor. Sitting on the floor can be on the floor. It can be on a low chair, like one sits on Tishabov when, or when Chasm Shalom and a person is in Avelus. They sit on a low chair. That's the type of height and chair that a person should be sitting on during the eating of the Suda of Sekis. The, there are many who are careful not to sit directly on the floor, because I'll pick Kabbalah, one shouldn't sit directly on the floor without a, a Hefzik without something in between. And therefore they put a towel or a cushion or something there to, to be a break between the person and the floor itself. When we are eating Sudam Masekas, we do not change our shoes. We don't have to behave in a manner of Avelis other than in the eating itself. So we eat foods of Avelis, which is a bread and an egg. We eat in a manner of Avelis, sitting on the floor, but we don't need to change our shoes. We try to avoid eating in groups. So if there's three men who are partaking in the same place of Sudam of Sekis, they should eat in different areas, different areas of the room, or perhaps different rooms, so that there shouldn't be a chi of zimun. In fact, if they by mistake ate together, they still don't make a zimun. Because we, we try to de- deta- detach the, the concept of eating together, because it's an eating of availus. When a person's mourning, he eats on his own. Morning is a sign of when a person wants to be in solitude. He doesn't want to mix and, and socialize. Once one's finished the Sudam of Sekas, the end of the Sudam of Sekas, 
was still allowed to eat and drink until Shkia, until the sunset, unless you said clearly that you are accepting upon yourself the Tanis. It's actually ideal to say the opposite and say, I'm not accepting upon myself the Tanis until Shkia. And that way, even after you've benched, you can for sure have something to drink if necessary before the beginning of the Tanis. After the Sudam of Sekhas, you go back to sitting on normal chairs and life goes back to semi-normal. Life goes back to behaving in a manner which is not yet implicit of mourning until Shkia. Once Shkia starts, then Avelus kicks in. The Avelus of Tisha starts and we have to follow all the halachas of Tisha from the point of sunset onwards until the end of some, till the end of, till the nacht, until the three stars come out at the end of Tisha the next day. Tishbab itself is made up of two parts, made up of the tiniest part, the element of Tishbab, which is a fast day, and the element of Tishbab, which is a day of mourning. They are two separate entities which come together on a single day, and they have different groups of halachas relevant to both of them. So, for example, we have the Chamisha Inuyim. We have the five Inuyim, five aspects of behavior that we have to refrain from, which are relevant on Yom Kippur, and so too on Tisha B'Av, and they are, it's forbidden to eat, it's forbidden to drink, it's forbidden to walk to bathe, it's forbidden to smear ourselves with perfumes, it's when we do not wear leather shoes, and marital relationships are forbidden as well on Tisha B'Av. These are five areas where the fast, like Yom Kippur, the fast of Tisha B'Av obligates us to behave in a certain manner, and that's no eating and drinking, no washing, no bathing, no Smear no sicha, which means no perfumes, no wearing leather shoes, and no marital relationships. On top of that, besides the relevant halachas, these five inuyim, which are relevant to the tanis, there's hilchas avelis, which includes limotayah, no no learning tayah, no ein noisin shalem, no greeting one another. It's a malacha. It's forbidden to do malacha, which will distract the person from the availus of the day, and the issa to sit on a chair, the obligation to sit on a low stool or on the floor. They are not because of the tanis, and even somebody who's not fasting still has the obligation to follow through with the parameters of availus that are obligatory on the day of Tishavov. So let's run through the Chamisha Inuim, which are relevant to Tishavov, and the Halachas of availus which are relevant to Tishabov, and that will give us a better understanding of how the day needs to be approached. The issue of eating and drinking applies to every member in Klavis role. Any child who's reached the age of Bar Mitzvah or Bas Mitzvah, so a son, a boy of 13, a girl of 12, is obligated to fast. Under the age of Bar Mitzvah and Bas Mitzvah, we don't make them fast. And what's very interesting is that Tisha B'Av is slightly different to Yom Kippur, whereas in Yom Kippur there's a locha that one should train the children to fast. It's called Mlam We teach them to fast for a certain amount of hours. So a child who can fast for two hours on Yom Kippur will make them fast for two hours. Three hours will make them fast for three hours, etc., etc. Tisha B'Av has no such locha. There's no obligation of chinuch on Tishabov to train the children to learn how to fast for Tishabov. And the reason for that is very simple. The purpose of training a child is so that when he becomes, he or she becomes an adult, 
they'll be able to follow through with the halacha, which is relevant for that child when they grow up. And therefore, on Yom Kippur, we want them to learn how to fast and appreciate what Yom Kippur means so that when they grow up, they'll be able to fast on Yom Kippur. But when it comes to Tisha B'Av, we have the Amunah that next year there's not going to be a Tisha B'Av. Next year, we are not going to need to fast. On the contrary, it's going to be a day of Simcha. It's going to be a Mayad. It's going to be a day when we can rejoice in the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdosh. And therefore, there's no need to train the children this year to fast because next year it's already obsolete. But from the age of Bar Mitzvah and Bas Mitzvah and up, every member of Klal Yisrael is obligated to fast. Fast means refraining from eating and drinking from the moment of sunset tomorrow night on Erev Tisha B'av until Nacht at the end of Tisha B'av in the evening. A pregnant woman, a nursing woman, technically does need to fast, but each situation needs to be discussed with the Rav. There are many times that nursing and, and, uh, and pregnant nursing women may not fast because of historical incidents that have happened to the woman when they've been pregnant and nursing when they were fasting or because of some medical situation they find themselves in. And therefore, each situation is different and must be referred back to a Maya to someone who understands the medical side of things and how fasting affects the different situations, and only then can they be allowed to fast. A woman has just given birth. Up until 30 days, there's room to be lenient and not obligate them to fast, particularly nowadays where we are weak, and therefore you let us until, until 30 days. There's, there's a lot of room to be making and allow them to eat on Tishabov. A chayla she'en sakona. We're talking about a sick person who is not life-threatening, but is sick, meaning really sick, not just slightly under the, the not slightly under the, the weather, but a chaylash, anybody sakana, according to the remark, is, according to the remark, sorry about that, according to the remark, is permitted to eat on Tishabov. And for sure, somebody who's very weak, doesn't need to fast. Somebody who's sick and the fasting is going to affect them doesn't need to fast. Every, again, every situation of an unwell person, and we shouldn't have such people, every situation an unwell person needs to ask before they can be assured that they do or don't need to fast. It's as dangerous for them to fast as is important for them to fast. So sometimes the halacha is that they may not fast. It's forbidden for them to fast. And it's a chi of mitzvah not to fast. Sometimes there's an obligation to fast even though a person feeling slightly or may have a condition which they may feel will absolve them from fasting. But medically, it's not dangerous for them to fast and it won't have any effect. And then they may need to fast. And these are situations that we have to answer together in conjunction with the doctors and the medical the medical world to make sure that we don't allow anybody to put themselves in danger by not eating and drinking for 25 hours. Being dehydrated for some people is really, really dangerous. And particularly if it's going to be a warm day, I have no idea. I haven't seen the weather forecast. But if it's going to be a warm day, then we need to be extra, extra cautious. But technically, a Yeledes, a, a Muberes, a Menekes, and a Chayla needs to fast unless they're Chaylish Embosh Sakana where they are weak, that the fast will affect them. And or they have a, a medical condition that the fast will, will affect them, then they should speak to a rov who will enable them to get to clarity whether they need to fast or they do not need to fast. Somebody who is unwell and can't fast a full day but can fast slightly, there is, in some opinions, merit in fasting for a part of the day as well. But 
if there's any difficulty in them fasting, even part of a the day, then they shouldn't be fasting at all. Somebody needs to take medication and may not miss a day for that medication. For example, high blood pressure, uh, any type of medication that, that, that's ongoing and needed to keep a condition under control, even if, even if the condition allows you to fast, but you must take your medication, then you can take your medication on Tishabov as well. And if you need to take it with a little bit of water, then you can take it with a tiny bit of water. But if you can manage without the water, then you're better off. We don't wash our mouth out on Tishabov unless the person has a really, really bad taste because we're worried that you might come to swallow and then transgress the problem, the issue of eating and drinking on Tishabov. On Tishabov, we don't wash our mouth out at all. Move on to the next of the Chamishi Inuim, Issa no bathing. So one's not allowed to bathe at all on Tishabov unless, and bathing means not bathing any part of the body, so one can't wash one's hands on Tishabov because bathing and washing is forbidden on Tishabov. Unless there's dirt there, one needs to wash off the dirt. Then washing off the dirt is permitted, but only to wash off the dirt with cold water. That's that's what's permitted. It's the washing of the dirt that's permitted. But washing as for washing's sake is forbidden. In the morning when we wash Negovasa, when we wake up in the morning, we wash Negovasa because I was not allowed to be reichet, so I was not allowed to have any sort of washing on Tishabov. We only wash until the knuckles. We wash our fingers and that's it. So we wash six times or eight times, both hands, our fingers, but no more. Once we've dried our hands, there's, there's still a slight dampness to them, then we can w- wipe it over, wipe over our eyes with the dampness that's left on the, on the, on the hands in order to wipe away the tiredness, etc., the stiffness in the eyes. But to actually wash your eyes like may, one may do on a normal day is not done on, your, on Tishabov because that goes under the banner of Isra If a person has some sort of uh, uh, liquid coming out of the eyes, some sort of pus or whatever it may be, then of course he's allowed to wash it because that's like dirt on the hand. Anything that's dirt can, can be removed. One's not obligated to walk around with dirt on one's hand, but one may not actually do rechitza for the sake of rechitza. After going to the bathroom, technically speaking, one wouldn't be allowed to wash one's hands. Unless, unless one's soiled one's hands or if one's touched places that are normally covered. And because we consider places that are normally covered to be places of zaya, therefore if one touches them, we consider the hand dirty and then we would allow the, allow a person to wash. So after bathroom, primarily we are worried that for tinuf or usually one's touched a place where, where, which is normally covered and therefore we wash. But again, we wash just where the fingers, just what's the, the, just what's necessary. We don't wash anything beyond that. Anything beyond that. For davening, again, the minig is aloha is we need to wash our hands for davening. So again, we wash our fingers. We don't wash any more than that at all. <coughs> Somebody who's not fasting and needs to have lunch, breakfast, lunch, or supper, and the food that they're eating is bread, they need to wash their hands for bread. They can't now be absolved of washing your hands for bread because it's an isra So they wash their hands for bread like normal. Because we have to make sure the hands completely tohoi before they touch the bread. But any other type of rechitza is forbidden on Tishabok and must be, and must not take, must not, must not happen. The issue of sicha, no perfumes on Tishabok, no lipsticks, no makeups, etc. All these are also to be used on Tishabok. 
deodorants are something we avoid unless there's a bad odor. The person has a bad odor, therefore needs to spray some deodorant to cover up the odor. One's not to come to shul so that people next to you should have to move away. If one needs to, to use deodorant to remove the, the negative smell, that can be done on Tisha as well. But just using perfumes and lipsticks and makes up, makeup, makes makeups, makeup is, it's for, in itself is forbidden. That goes under the banner of Asso Losuch, the Issa Sicha, one of the Hamishin Nuyim. Creams that are needed for refuah, people who have skin conditions and they need to use cream, that's for perfectly permitted. That's not sicha. Where smearing oneself with medical cream is permitted on, on tissue box. Leather shoes, which is another one of the chameshi noyim. Any shoes made out of leather is forbidden. There are many poskim a hold that any shoe which is not leather but is comfortable should be avoided on tissue box. So the minikoilam is not to be so makbid on that opinion, and therefore people do wear their trainers as long as there's no leather in it. They do wear their their crocs, even though they're very comfortable, since there's no leather in it. There are some people who are makbid that they are careful not to wear comfortable shoes on Tishabov and Yom Kippur as well. A sick person or somebody who's unwell, an elderly person who needs to wear shoes and they need to wear leather shoes for whatever the reason may be, then they're permitted to wear leather shoes on Tishbab as well. Children, we educate children not to wear leather shoes on Tishbab. There's no reason why they shouldn't be educated not to wear leather shoes. It's a day of mourning. They need to mourn as well. Now they need to mourn. And therefore, we we, we instruct them to not to wear leather shoes on Tishbab, even though they're in Iktanim. With regards to the final of the Five in Noim, Chamishi Noim, which is matter relations. Mishnah tells us that particularly on Leil Tishabov, in the evening of Tishabov, until the morning, one should refrain from certain harchokas, certain of the halachas of parameters that we put in place when a person is in a state of nidah, for example, not touching and uh, and not sleeping in, in, in the same bed, etc. Anything which is re- related to touching should be avoided throughout the night of Tishabov. During the day, there's more leniency. Chazal weren't so worried during the day that we might cross a red line that that is forbidden on Tishabov. But in the night, where the risk is greater, therefore, when Mishnah Baruch says it's it's preferable that we in, 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 we behave in a manner that we would when one when when the situation of nidus and there is no no touching and, and not sleeping in the same bed. A chayla or chaylanis if the husband of the wife is unwell, and of course there's no real halacha, there's no real issue of touching. It's only a chumrah, and therefore if it's necessary to help one's wife or, or, or if she's sick or one's husband who's sick, then of course one's allowed to do that. Sheilas shalom greetings. To greet on Tejabov is forbidden. And therefore, to say good morning or good evening after davening or before davening is, um, goes under the banner of Sheila Shalom, and that may not be done on Tejabov. Sending presents on Tejabov is also, because a present is a Sheila Shalom. And therefore, if you send a child to a, to a playgroup and you want to send a present to the, to the playgroup uh, leader, whoever it may be, that's forbidden. You're not allowed to send presents. In, on Tishbov. The nine days one also tries to refrain from sending presents, though we did say small presents are okay, are permitted. But on Tishbov, no presents may be sent at all. In the same manner as if Chasr Shalom persons in Oval, he doesn't or she doesn't send presents, receive presents, because that's a, under the banner of Sheila Shalom. Like we don't say Shalom Aleichem to an Oval. We don't say good morning or good evening or Shalom Aleichem to a, to each, all of us on Tishbov. If somebody did inadvertently say good morning, 
you have two choices of how to respond. Uh, do not jump up and down and scream at him and say, it's Tishbrough today, why are you saying good morning? That's uh, not quite the right reaction. What you should do is either respond, but in a subdued manner, say good morning in a subdued manner, not to embarrass him, but by saying it in a subdued manner, he will understand that it's Tishbrough and realize that one's not supposed to say good morning. Or if it's somebody who can take Techocho, somebody who's able to be rebuked in a nice, positive way, you put your, you, go up to him quietly and you say to him, you know, today's Tishabov and Halacha is that one shouldn't really greet on Tishabov and good morning is part of greeting and therefore we try to avoid it. But anyway, have a really nice day. If you can do that, then fine. And if you know he'll accept it well, fine. Otherwise, do not do it. Saying hello on when you pick up the telephone is questionable. Uh, some people say saying hello is like a greeting. So when you pick up the telephone, you're supposed to grunt down the telephone rather than saying hello. Others say hello is just a, a form of saying, I am here. What do you want? It doesn't actually mean a greeting. And therefore, if somebody does say hello down the end of the telephone, do not shout to him because there's very good logic to say that one's permitted to say hello. Somebody feels that hello is too much of a greeting and uh, therefore shouldn't be said down the telephone on Tishabov, then he has the right not to say hello and he doesn't need to say hello. And the same goes for goodbye at the end of the conversation. Is goodbye a greeting? Is goodbye just a means of saying the conversation has come to an end? Again, some will say it's a greeting. Some will say it's just a method of ending a conversation. Each one to their own. There's no issa as such. And therefore, if somebody feels hello is fine, that's his choice. If somebody feels hello is wrong or goodbye is wrong, then they shouldn't say it. Wishing Mazel Tov on, on Tishbov is perfectly permitted because it's not a greeting. Mazel Tov is a brocha. It's not a greeting and therefore it's permitted on Tishbov. It's forbidden to do malach on Tishbov particularly in the morning, Melocha is forbidden. Melocha means any act that is distracts a person from Tishabov. So you can switch a light on and off. You can drive to shul if necessary. You can uh, carry in a street. What you can't do is an act that's going to be take your mind away from Tishabov. So an act that needs time and some endurance and some 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 input from the person. It's not just a a secondary action like switching on and off a light needs no intellect and no uh, concentration whatsoever. But a malacha that needs concentration, so washing up and cleaning up and 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 etc. etc. These are all things that take concentration. Going to the office and opening the post and seeing the 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 the, the, the reading the 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 correspondence that person has for business. All these are considered. Malachas that are also on Tishavov. So that, and the primary reason why Malacha is also is so that we shouldn't be Messiah Das. We shouldn't allow our mind to run away with us, to distract us from the availus of the day. We must constantly remain focused on the availus of the day. And even though after, after, in the afternoon, after Chatzois, Malacha is permitted. If one needs to go to work, he may go to work. <coughs> if one needs to work in the house, one's allowed to work in the house. But what one must not do is work to the extent that one is Messiah Das. One's got to make sure that even if one's cleaning, washing, baking, cooking, whatever, whatever it may be, washing dishes, caking, baking, cooking, it's all done in the context of Tishabov. And therefore Tishabov must be remembered. If one's going to go have a baking spree, Tishabov afternoon to distract one from the Avelos, that is wrong. That's back into the halacha of Issa Malacha on Tishabov. So yes, we do need to do malacha often in the afternoon. We do need to make some food for the 
post-Tanis. We do need to bake some cake for those who need cake after the Tanis, etc., etc. But it must be done without being Messiah Dast for Tisha B'Av. The minute gets to sit on the ground on Tisha B'Av from Shkia until Chatzos of the next day. That's the minute which is accepted in Kalishol. The ground means a low chair, primarily less than three tfachim, but it's not specific three tfachim. It's got to be low, and that's it. Until Chatzos, all the way till Chatzos. Somebody who's unwell, or an elderly person, or a pregnant woman, etc., who finds it difficult to sit on a low chair, may sit on a normal chair. But this halacha applies to every member of Kalishol, irrelevant if they're fasting, if they're not fasting. If they're physically capable of sitting low, then they need to sit low. Comes to Twilas Mincha in the afternoon, we add in an extra bracha in Ashwain Esra. Because once we come to Mincha, we begin the process of Nechama, of comfort, of trying to understand and comprehend the Choban of the Beis Amigdosh through a different lens, which enables us to be comforted. We understand that this is a Choban. Yes, it's a terrible destruction. We understand that it's ruined and destroyed our connection to the Rebbein Shalom, taken away from us the Shechina within Klal Yisrael. It's, it stops, stopped us and prevented us, prevented us from doing the Avoida as we had it in the base of Mikdash, bringing Kabbalah, receiving the Kapora that we, that we need. All the bracha that came to the world came via the base of Mikdash. And we understand that every sorrow that we have today is an extension of the Choban base of Mikdash. And that's why so many people say we don't need to add kinnis into the kinnis that we say every Tishabov, because everything is an extension of the Chobam Besamikdosh. And we realize and we really uh, understand that when it comes to Tishabov. When it comes to the afternoon, we begin to realize that the, we, we, we perceive a new perspective of the Chobam. And we realize that Baruch was doing us a favor. He realized that Klaudisho were not in a state where they were able to have the Besamikdosh. On the contrary, the Besamikdosh was having a negative effect on Klaudisho. We were allowing the Besamikdosh to make us complacent and prevent us from connecting real, in a real way to the British Leilam. And therefore, Kodesh took the base of Mikdash away to improve us so that we can have a new base of Mikdash, the second base of Mikdash, the third base of Mikdash. It's a Chorban, a stira of Manos Livnois. It's a distraction in order to rebuild. We understand that. We begin to see that. We begin that comprehension, that new understanding at the time of Mincha. And therefore, Chazal introduced a Special Twitter, which we say in Mincha, a Twitter that's said by every member of Kalisol who davens Mincha, irrelevant if they're fasting or if they're not fasting. That is Nachim. In, in the, that's Twitter of Nachim. Nachim. Nechama, the Twitter of, of comfort, which we add into Yishlaim Echob Rachman Toshuv. We say it before the end of the part of the Bracha Yishlaim Echob Rachman Toshuv, and we finish off with the Bracha of, um, Menachim Sien Obayne Yishlaim. If a person forgot to say Nachim in Yerushalayim Ircho, then he can say it in Ritzei before the Sechzeno Nenu, but he doesn't finish off the bracha of Menachem Sien Abayne Yerushalayim, he finishes off the bracha of Hamachse Shechinosay Letzion, which is also a relevant bracha to the Tefillah, to that bracha of Nachim. If a person forgot to say it in Abayne Yerushalayim, he also forgot to say it in Ritzei before the Sechzeno Nenu, then he can say it before Yiyu Lerotzein at the end of Shemayin Esra. If he hasn't said Yilorotin, he can say it at the end of Shemayin Esra, he says Nachim, but he doesn't finish off with the bracha. He doesn't finish off with bracha at all. He stops before the baruch because there's no place for bracha at the end of Shemayin Esra. But it's still a place where we can add in the context of the bracha and the content of the bracha before we finish Shemayin Esra. If a person finished Shemayin Esra 
and forgot to say Nachim, he does not need to repeat Shmoneser at all. He does not need to repeat Shmoneser at all. There are a number of halachas relevant to the Mincha of Shmoneser. Esra. We don't wear talis and tefillin in the morning because when we are Vedas, we don't wear talis and tefillin, but we do wear talis and tefillin for Mincha. We have a minig in the shul not to say the bracha in the morning of Oite Yisrael B'Sif Ara, which is a bracha referring to tefillin, since we don't wear our tefillin in the morning, so we make the bracha in Mincha. Other people don't make the bracha of Sha'asadi Sarki at all on Tisha B'Av, because Sha'asadi Sarki is supposed to be said when we put the shoes on our feet. And since we don't wear shoes, the shoes primarily means leather shoes. Since we don't wear shoes on Tisha B'av, we don't say the bracha of Sha'asli Kosarki. Some people do say it. Some people don't say it. Any part of tefillah, shachris, mincha, which is very much part of the seder ha-tefillah, even though it's Torah and Torah may not be learned on Tisha B'av, can be said on Tisha B'av morning. So Tisha B'av morning, we will say all the kabbalists like normal and all the tefillahs as normal. The tilim that we normally say before shachris, we uh, we do not say in shul in the morning because tilim is is tayra, but we do say it in mincha time. Some people are careful not even to say it at mincha and they wait till after tisha b'av. But we in the shul have a minute to say the tilim before mincha because we consider it part and parcel of the say the hatfilah. We don't consider it limitayr. Those are the rough halachas of tisha b'av itself. Let's just finish off with a few halachas which are relevant to matzay tisha b'av and the 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 context of those halachas in this year's tisha b'av itself. The halachas of Avelos do not end at the end of Tisha B'av. They continue till Chatzos the next day because the Besamidosh carried on burning until Chatzos the next day. And therefore we continue some aspects of Avelos until Chatzos the next day. And therefore in a normal year, we do not eat meat, we do not drink wine, we do not bathe, we do not shave, we do not wear big day Shabbos, we don't wear wash clothes, we don't wash clothes, etc. until Chatzos. We don't listen to music. Until Chatzos, we don't have Simchas until Chatzos. That's on a normal year. Marital relationships, according to some, is not halachic, but it's advised as a, a, as part of that, as part of that veil is to be avoided the second night. That means Motsoy Tishbal, the night of Yud Ba'av. Unless it's a, a, a night where it's obligatory. Making a brach of Shechionu is avoided until Chatzos on Yud Ba'av. Those are the halachas which are relevant in a normal year. This year, since Tisha B'Av falls on a Thursday, which is not so common, it falls on a Thursday, it's not uncommon, but it's not so common, it falls on a Thursday, therefore the halachas change slightly. Preparation for Shabbos is needed immediately post-Tisha B'Av, and therefore we're allowed to wash clothes as soon as Tisha B'Av is ended. As soon as it's nacht, one can already begin to wash the clothes. And according to most paskim, one doesn't have to, one doesn't have to limit that to washing clothes just for Shabbos. Once you're washing, you can wash any clothes. So you can go through your laundry hamper, you can go through your laundry basket and just wash the clothes from the moment Tishbos was finished. We don't need to run out the rob and say, I'm traveling tomorrow morning in the morning, I'm going on holiday, blah, blah, blah. Can I please wash on the night of Tishbos, Motsi Tishbos? This year, one is allowed to wash because it's Leil Shishi. It's Friday. It's Thursday night, which is really the eve of Friday. And preparation for Shabbos may begin and must begin. And therefore, one's allowed to wash clothes. Uh, washing oneself and hair cutting, etc., is for sure permitted from the first thing in the morning on Friday. Friday is a day when we prepare for Shabbos. So one's allowed to bathe Friday morning, one's allowed to shave Friday morning, one's allowed to have a haircut Friday morning. As the Mishnah Bureau points out, the, the Kitsa Shulchanar says one's only allowed to do it in the morning, but in the evening, Motsi Tishabov, that's not 
those those halachas are still forbidden because there's no need to have a haircut and bathe for Shabbos. One doesn't normally have a haircut and bathe for Shabbos on Thursday night. We normally have it on a Friday. That if it's only permitted on Friday, it's not permitted on Thursday. You do not need to wait until Chatzos because it's Friday. But one doesn't, one, one may not partake of those activities on Matzah Tishbab itself. There are others who disagree. There are others who say that one may immediately post Tishbab already bathe and already shave. Those who can wait until the morning should ideally wait. For those, it's a struggle to wait for whatever reason it may be. But the Ebed can be makele matzah tishabav even with regards to rechitza and to tishbavus. But when it comes to eating meat and drinking wine, or when it comes to the bracha of shechiyonu, when it comes to the the halachas of music, simchas, listening to music and playing klei shir and the, the marital relationships, there's no reason for that to change just because Tishbab is on a Thursday. And therefore, those halachas still remain in place until Chatzos of the next day. And that brings us to the end of the halachas of Tishbab. And these halachas are purely academic, because we are convinced and we have the Munna that, that we believe, sincerely believe, we believe that the Mashiach is going to come and the building of the Beis is going to take place every day, way before Tishbab, and we won't need to, practice any of these halachas that we have been discussing this evening. And Be'ez Hashem on the country will be coming together to rejoice in the avoid of the new Beis HaMikdosh, which is going to be rebuilt and have a very good evening. And if Chas Shalom, we do have to fast on Tisha and we do have to f- keep these halachas, we should find it easy. We should get through the fast well. We, should be, we shouldn't be Messiah Das of the Tisha B'Av. And those who those who mourn and follow the halachas of, of, of the morning of the Beis Migdosh will merit to see the rejoicing of the rebuilding of the Beis Migdosh, and that will be speedily in our time. Thank you very much for listening. Have a very good evening. And if I don't speak to you before you go, uh, there isn't another share before the summer holidays, and you are going away somewhere nice. Please have a really good rest. Come back revigorated, ready to prepare and meet the coming Rosh Hashanah, which is Abba Lel in the table very, very soon. Thank you very much and have a good night.